respect is about self-awareness. It's really a lot about that. And I'll tell parents, take a, t- give yourself three, four, five timeouts a day. Go mark it off if you need to, <laughs> if you're one of those screamers that loses control. But this is about reflection and learning. We get new sunrises, new sunsets every day. It's never too late to really become more aware of how you're impacting your kids. And you can start today. That's Danny Huerta describing some really practical ways that you can be more effective as a parent and give your kids what they need the most. You'll learn more today on Focus on the Family with your host, Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. John, every parent I know uh, wants to raise good, responsible kids who are healthy, happy, holy. Um, that's what we're aiming for. I don't know a single parent that has ever said to me, I just hope I raise horrible children. (laughs) I mean, it's it's not in our heart. Uh, But how do we get our kids on that right path? And is there more of a broad highway that we need to aim for than this narrow, you know, direction. And uh, you heard last time from Danny Huerta, our guest, it starts with us. I mean, we model this as parents. And if you're not seeing what you like in your kids, then maybe it might be starting with you, right? Mm -hmm. That's a great place to start. We went over uh, seven traits of parenting, and we're going to cover some of those today. Uh, There's a classic verse in the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 7, which tells us, to diligently teach God's commands to our children. And when we're sitting at home or walking together, just do it. When we go to bed and when we get up in the morning, it's not much of a list of rules to impart to them, but a lifestyle that we model for them every day. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you, I wake up with that attitude. I mean, I've been trying to train my uh, youngest, Troy, to drive a clutch. That'll test your parenting. <laughs> Let me tell you. Yes. I think we only yes. dumped it three times yesterday. And I was like, just trying so to be true. so positive. It's okay if you break the clutch. I'll just get it fixed. No problem. I'm patting myself on the back. Oh, but yeah. it's important. They can't fear you. They want to love and emulate you. That's mm. what we're aiming for. Yeah. And what I so appreciate about Danny and uh, this great book he's written, Seven Traits of Effective Parenting, is that it's not a formula no. for the output. It's a matter of looking at yourself and modeling certain traits and approaching your kids with these traits. And Danny is a colleague. He's our vice president of parenting and youth here at Focus on the Family. Danny, welcome back to the program. Hey, it's an honor and a privilege to be here with you, Jim. And before we start, let's give a quick recap of what we discussed last time. And it's through your research and counseling experience with families, you've identified these seven, uh, I would say, core traits that can help parents be more effective. Uh, Let's share them again, then we'll pick up where we left off last time. It's adaptability, respect, intentionality, steadfast love. It's boundaries, grace, forgiveness, and then gratitude. That all sounds so good. But if you got to be a student of each of those, that could be at least give the impression that it could be exhausting. But you're not saying that. You're saying just be aware of it in your everyday interaction with your children, right? It's natural that we have these traits if we're really wanting the best for our kids. These are natural traits that can play out. And what's interesting is the research scientifically backs all this up. This is from (laughs) Diana Bomrin. I'm laughing just because so often Christians are chided for not knowing research. We do, folks. This is it. What's really amazing is how often... Research backs up scripture. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's been so much research on parenting styles, and a lot of parents probably know and have heard about the parenting styles authoritarian, authoritative, uh, permissive, neglectful parenting. And the goal is authoritative parenting. That's over and over and over again. And what's interesting is in culture recently, research has been saying permissive parenting is the way to go. 
And that is so damaging. That's a message out there that some parents are getting. Now, if you've done these seven traits and you've done the authoritative side where you have boundaries, limits, uh, warmth, and, and care and sensitivity, then maybe towards the end, there's more permissiveness. And so that's a weakness within that research that they tested families that were kind of towards the end of their parenting. And most likely they did really well up here. Yeah, your 17-year-old is treated different than your seven-year-old. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's interesting how research kind of twists things around. So this, these are all biblical traits if we're following Deuteronomy 6, but then also science backs it up. And in my counseling practice, if parents have done this, their relationship is good. Their kids aren't perfect. You know, it's interesting, Danny, as I was setting that up a moment ago, I did make that statement. I don't know of parents who get up saying, I want to ruin my kids. I don't want my Mm -hmm. kids to be healthy. But our own family of origin, our own buttons, our own temperaments can work against us, even unconsciously at times. We don't even know we're doing damage. Yeah. Many times we're allowing things to go, thinking that that's loving to just oh, let them, uh, is they're just kids, they're just teens, and we let it go. And then all of a sudden there's an explosion and a frustration where a parent is completely stressed. That's one of the most common patterns I see in parents, that they want their kids to, to do well, they want better for them later on down the road. And their assumption is if I just let them kind of learn as they go, they'll figure it out. But then they do certain things that they're not supposed to, and it's not clear what they're not supposed to do. And all of a sudden, a parent explodes, and it damages the relationship, and there's not much relationship. It's not very loving to just let your kid do whatever they want. Well, that takes us right into number four, steadfast love. Uh, Parents need to love their children, obviously. But I tend to be more lenient. You know, Mm -hmm. it's kind of interesting. Gene and I, Gene's a little more toe the line, boundaries oriented. I I tend to be, eh, you know what, the kids, they'll they'll figure it out. And uh, so I I confess, but speak to all of us in addressing steadfast love. And that is so, that makeup is very common. Right yes, there. it is. Jim, that, that's that's Either, a common home right there. But not always in that direction. Dads could be the boundary people. I mean, it, but usually couples are attracted, and these are attributes of yeah. your marriage. One is a little more easygoing than the other sometimes. Which means we have a workout plan for both of us, <laughs> right? So moms, whoever's much more rules-focused, needs to learn about the warmth and, and, and playfulness of the other, and the playful one that is more permissive learns from the real person, we get to learn from one another and have Ideally, kind of a workout, yeah. right, together. Not irritate the, each other. <laughs> that's right. And we will, right? But I love this quote from Dallas Willard. He's one of my favorite authors. And it's, the strongest human will is always the one that is surrendered to God's will and acts with it. This is uh, the ministry of Christ to follow his will. And his will is that we're going to love one another. And what was the depth of his love? He died for sinners He had compassion on those who hated him. And so in our homes, we need not just love, that that froofy love, the the hallmark love. This is steadfast, unwavering love that reaches into the dark moments and goes through seasons with our kids where they need somebody to bring some light, to bring prayer, to bring a listening ear, to bring guidance in places that are very confusing— and as parents, if we enter with mercy to our kids and really take the time to invest in them, even if it's 60 seconds, and that's something I love to do with my daughter. She asked a few years back, she goes, Dad, can we have 60 seconds? And I said, of course, let's do that. And she said, can you just hold me? Hmm. I said, yes, I can, I can hold you. And that was 
powerful to me because it gave me a picture, an invitation from God to say, I want to hold you. I want 60 seconds. Let's have that together. Do you want 60 seconds? So I've had those moments with God. Can I, 60 seconds, can you just hold me for a moment? And I've, with my daughter now, she's extended that to, can we do five minutes? Can we do, <laughs> can we do 180 seconds? And we love having that time together. I, Jim, one of the amazing things for parents is when there are difficult times in the home and there's a reconnection, that steadfast love, that is one of the most powerful relationships moving forward. We're not going to have homes that are not going to be under attack. Since the beginning, Satan has been attacking the family, and it will continue. And that requires a steadfast, deep-rooted love because the storms are going to come, the winds are going to come, and that's where, as a parent, you stand. And you stand for your home. You're a leader as a mom and as a dad. And as you guys show that steadfast love towards one another, it creates a foundation that's unshakable, mm. and it gives you the opportunity to connect with your kids at a level that Christ has provided for your family. And it, this is not about the, the love, let's hug, let's be happy. These are sad moments and the happy moments, and it's foundational to all the other traits. And that's that steadfast love that God talks about all throughout Scripture to us. Uh, Danny, in fact, you wear an unusual ring that wraps around two of your fingers, and mm. your family kind of created this maybe as the family ring. I don't know, but tell us the story about the ring. Yeah, my daughter came to me with the silicone bracelet that she had gotten at school, and it was, it was pink. It was small. She said, Dad, I'm giving you this. You have to wear this forever. And I looked at her with that. She had intensity, and I said, well, it doesn't fit. So I wrapped it around two fingers. And, and uh, a lot of people ask me about these rings. Where do those come from? What do they mean? And it's my commitment to Christ and the idea that I have a hope that I will be in heaven forever with my family and with those, those I love. And this just gives me a good perspective on what my priorities are here on, on earth. And that is my family, my kids, my relationship with Christ and what he has me to do. Let's move to the next trait, boundaries. Uh, it's insightful you didn't start there, you know, boundaries and rules. I think a lot of parents want to start there because right. it's more easily controlled mm -hmm. by us, right? That may be one of the key factors. We can control what the boundaries are. Do this, <laughs> don't do that. And if you don't do the right thing, here's the consequence. It seems very controlling that we yes. can do this. <laughs> but um, they're important. They play a role, like you said, and the research shows that uh, kids that have boundaries tend to do better, uh, but they need that offsetting love and affirmation too. Yeah. So speak to boundaries and the importance of boundaries. Yeah, and this is the boundaries begin with yourself. I, I really, how do you manage you with your boundaries and model that with your kids? If you say it's a value, and the phone one is the big one right now for a lot of parents and kids. I just had a counseling session with a teen and his mom, and he said, "Well, when my mom starts to put the phone down, I'll put it down too." And she, mm. was, she was saying that he was on the phone too much in the car. He said, well, my mom's texting while she's driving. Whoops. And so... That's not good. Uh, and, and so really the boundaries begin with us. Mm. And I would say that it's challenging because we want our kids to have some autonomy, some independence, and really explore. And yet at the same time, uh, put some, some limits. And so as they're growing older, we're adjusting those and in certain situations, you're adjusting your limits and boundaries. And with different personalities, if you have an impulsive child, you may have different boundaries and limits than a child that is very compliant. Mm. 
But that's not fair. <laughs> that's right. And, and that's that's it. I can hear that yeah. coming back right now. Yes. Why you treat me different? Because you're compulsive. <laughs> and this would this is what creates conflict between moms and dads many times. Oh yeah. Yes, big ones. Yeah. And and it it lowers the respect towards one another because of this. So we want to watch this, and this is really about being on uh, a trajectory towards something really good for your kids. I say this tongue in cheek, but uh, I have said, I, Gene and I, we'd have a perfect marriage if we didn't have teenagers. <laughs> they do tend to put stress right on yes. the weak points in your relationship and how you uh, problem solve as mom and dad. But um, you and your wife, actually, to give an example of that, your son, Alex, you've set up some dating boundaries. Mm. Just to give somebody a practical idea, what did that look like? <laughs> this is funny, Jim. We, uh, we came to our son with a contract. And it was the outlining of being ready to be a contributor in a young woman's life in the dating and taking this very seriously. We said, you need to ask the dad for permission. You need to take this seriously. You're contributing to her story. And I want you both to have a history you want to That's remember. That's a great way to, to say that. That yes. really is good. It's because if we enter dating as a consumer, it's yeah. damaging. Correct. If we enter it as contributors, it is a very powerful thing. So we said, Dad, I'm... I'm going to be a contributor. And he filled out the contract, and uh, we talked about it, and it's still there. And w sometimes that's a great place to check in. So how are you treating her? How are you being a contributor? Tell me some of the ways you're being a contributor to her story. Because someday she may be a wife to someone else, and it's going to be great if you help them out hmm. by the way you treat her. No way, Dad. We're going to get married. I know it. <laughs> and they've been dating for a long time. What's interesting is before that, some girls were wanting to date. And I said, tell them you're on the bench. You're not, you're not coming in <laughs> yet. <laughs> you're not, Good you're not coming in yet. I'm out of the game. Yeah, that's right. I'm out of the game. And uh, he got to use that. And then the day of, when he turned 16, they started to ask. And I said, you need to have mentors in place for you outside of our home. And, and then hear the scriptures of why it's important to be a contributor in a young woman's life. And this is the ownership as you're honoring your own wife down the road. And uh, on the whole physicality thing, I said, this is an opportunity to learn intimacy to different levels of, of emotional connection with someone else, conversational, so that mental connection, relational, having experiences with another person. And you've been learning that already with your friends. And the final one is physical. And in dating, the physicality is about doing activities together and learning from one another, but learning all these other intimacies because someday you're going to be able to give a gift to your wife, and she is too, and you guys are taking care of that, and that's what this contract is about. And each family can, can develop their very own. There isn't a magical formula to a dating contract. It's what are you wanting for your child uh, as they're contributing within this opportunity to date? There's mm -hmm. so many temptations with it. Let's set it up with vision, and then it can go well. Uh, Danny, next would be grace and forgiveness. And parents, you know, we tend to think of our children needing these traits more than ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that a human? Oh, that's true. We're always pointing the finger at the other person. Yeah. In this case, it's our kids. But grace and forgiveness starts with the Lord, but then we as parents mm -hmm. need to extend that to our children. It could be one of the toughest things That's to hard. do. Why is that? And then how do we reorient ourselves to extend grace and forgiveness in a genuine way? Yes, Jim, it is our emotions come into parenting. And emotions can take us places we weren't intending to go.
Yes. And uh, most of the things that happen with our kids are in inconvenient times because our schedules, our lives are so packed with so many things that it's never convenient to have to repair or uh, to have forgiveness towards a child that has done something uh, that is damaging to himself or to the family. And so you have to press pause. And I've told parents, hey, press pause and have pause buttons all over your house for a little while to remind you of the need to pause and repair where it's needed. Because I, I love to use the analogy of cities, Jim, and uh, the idea that each of us are cities. We have rough areas in our lives that have been built over time. We've had multiple connections that are either maybe severed over time, but some that are big highways towards us. But over time, we've built this big city, and now we married another big city, and we have highways there to maintain, and then we have friendships and highways towards those other cities. But then we form little towns little kids, and they had little cities, and over time there were dirt roads, and those have expanded to highways, but they're constantly under construction. And if we don't pay attention to them over time, those roads will be impassable. You will not be able to go between each other and get to know each other's city, and you can't control the development of that city. Over time, they develop other connections, and influences come into their city, and it's built over time, and that's healthy. You want to teach them how to form and discern healthy connections. And grace and forgiveness is about regaining emotional and spiritual safety. We're so obsessed with physical safety, yet God says that emotional and spiritual safety are key for our relationships and our development and for life to go the way it needs to go within God's will. Mm. But we're so focused on this need for physical safety that we miss out on those. And grace and forgiveness is a regaining of that spiritual safety for our home so that Satan doesn't have any room to play. And then it's also the emotional safety that you're safe enough to admit when you've done wrong and you're safe enough to forgive me when I've done something wrong. And now our highways can have the bridge building that it needs instead of fence building. Hmm. So we like to hold our guests to accountability. So you have some story about a slow <laughs> cooker that melted. Oh, man. <laughs> so did this, oh, like, Jim. punch your button or what? Oh, yeah. Well, I was, I was working on the uh, a big paper for the PhD program. Uh, I'm in, and I was deep into it. And my daughter had her friend over, and they just decided on a whim to make some soap and uh, <laughs> and make some other things in the kitchen. And they put the the slow cooker on top of the burner and forgot they turned the burner underneath the, the slow crock cooker. Pot? The crock pot, yes. Oh my, that's not how it works. <laughs> that's not how it works. And uh, they had forgotten they did that. All of a sudden, I smell burning. And then in the other room, I hear, uh-oh. And, and then I said, hey, what? okay, what happened? And the, the whole crock pot was just melted. Oh. It created a mess on the burner. It was just a disaster. And it was a, the, the least convenient time for me to have it. this paper was Typically due happens then. and and i looked at her and i could see her really feeling bad and i went over to the sink and just stared out the window for a little bit and just got a drink oh. of water and i'm going and i'm just breathing and just was looking this like out. before the storm erupts yeah no i felt it i, mean, I felt oh. the emotion i said okay i need to regroup what am i going to say How, what's going to be helpful she could tell i was not happy and I turned around and I said, hey, can we just get some pictures of that? That was quite a work of art you guys did. <laughs> oh, uh, well, that's response. nice. That must have been a long drink of water. Oh, it was, yeah. It was the whole glass. It was the whole glass. The whole glass. Just staring out the window. Yeah. 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 Breathe. <laughs> you were using every tool in your toolkit. Yeah, all the way to the toes. That was, <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's take a picture now. Yeah. Um, response. I think that sets up gratitude, <laughs> which mm. is the next and last mm -hmm. trait that we're going to have time to cover. 
It's probably a good one, right? Gratitude is a great thing. If people have more gratitude, I think it reflects so beautifully God's heart. Oh, yes. Um, and so get into gratitude. Explain how today's social media, for example, is uh, contributing, I think, to a lack of gratitude. It's just, oh, yeah. ang, 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 ang. it's the opposite of gratitude. Mm. And that's that contributors in God's kingdom being thankful to being in that. And as parents, we get to have that. It's a reset of our mind. It's an opportunity to find peace. In Colossians 3, which I love, putting on the new self, in 3.12, first he says all the things that could go wrong and which is reality in our humanity. He says, put on the new self, and he ends it with, and, be, uh, and do these things with thankfulness. It's a good wrapping of everything where if we wake up and we're thankful, it makes a difference in how we see things. It opens up our eyes to what God is doing, and that's what he wants from us. I, I remember recently when I, I saw my children sleeping, I just walked in their room, looked, and I said, Lord, thank you for these two kids you've given me. And I walked over to my wife and saw her sleeping, and I said, thank you for the wife you've given me. And just in that thankfulness going out for the day, God has given us so much opportunity in our relationships. I'm grateful for the invitations he gives me. I will be imperfect in some of those invitations. And again, this is a gratitude where God is giving us opportunities to grow. And if we tell our kids, hey, I'm grateful for you and look into their eyes, that means a ton to our kids. Take that moment of just five seconds to say, I'm thankful for you and looking into their eyes and Mm. you'll see. Yeah the response you'll get from them. Yeah. And it's a good place to close. I want you to share a story because it's so poignant, and I think it makes all the points that you're making. Uh, This was a story about a teen boy that you counseled. He had attempted suicide but Mm -hmm. failed. And uh, the idea and the characteristic that gratitude played in his recovery, so many parents and so many teens need to hear this story. Mm -hmm. Yes. In this, this family this was a powerful moment for them. I remember getting the phone call that this young man needed to to come in. They said he uh, used to see you. He, uh, many months later, d- decided to attempt suicide. And so this is when I got the call. They said he's in the hospital and is recovering and needs to see you after. Can he come in? And I said, absolutely. And so he came in and uh, he said, Mr. Huerta, I'm so thankful that I wasn't successful at taking my life. My, my life is so different in just two weeks. Things have changed. Things have changed in my home. Uh, the, the parents were showing tremendous gratitude for his life. It, it reset that home completely hmm. in this moment of crisis. Yeah. And uh, he has continued. He fired me from counseling, and that's the goal <laughs> in counseling. Fire me as soon as you can because you've reached the goals. It's just going to be a temporary road together. And that's what happened to this young man. And that was a moment of gratitude for his own life. And I hope that continues into when he becomes a parent. And with his parents, this changed their perspective as well towards their child's life, that they're thankful that he's alive. Danny, this has been great. Thank you for the time and energy you've put into this book. At the same time, you're working on your PhD. (laughs) I've watched you labor over these things, and it's been great to Mm. see your tenacity, your dedication. It's really a testament to who you are as a person to want to help so many people Mm. and your counseling effort. 
it's just really cool to see how much you're doing to equip yourself to help others. Uh, it's really neat. So thanks for being with us. Thank you both. It's a joy to serve alongside of both of you guys mm. in this ministry. And I remember a recent note from Lexi. She said, find joy in today. And I find joy in working with both of you. No, it's very kind. And really encouraging, too. Thank you, Danny. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team here, thanks for listening to this episode of Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller. Well, I don't know if you were laughing out loud at that story of the crockpot being burnt on the stove and the way Danny reacted to the mishap. But I found that story quite hilarious and also such a beautiful example of grace and forgiveness. Again, there have been significant lessons in each of the traits that Danny spoke about. If you missed the program yesterday and you'd like to catch up, you can listen again on our website or podcast or on our Focus Africa app. Danny's book, Seven Traits of Effective Parenting, is a wonderful resource for you as a parent, and I want to encourage you to get a copy. I also mentioned yesterday the online parenting assessment, which is based on the seven traits and reveals your individual parenting strengths and those things you can work on. And there's our Focus event based on the seven traits. We really believe that hosting a Focus on the Family event at your church will help you strengthen families in your community. And so I encourage you to have a look at this new offering. You can find out more about the resource, online assessment and the events when you give us a call on 031-716-3300 or online at safamily.co.za. Thank you for being with us for today's Focus on the Family. I'm Graham Schnell inviting you to join us next time when we'll once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.